today is a very special day for lots of reasons, but uh, how many know that Jesus said that love hath nothing greater than to lay down your life for a friend, right? How many know that's the greatest act of love there is? It's the greatest expression of love possible is to lay down your life for a friend. And so today is Veterans Day, and there have been those who have stepped into harm's way for us. So if you are a service member in the United States military, would you please stand? Or if you have been, please stand up right now. Mark. Thank Yeah, come on, Phil. Come on, let's give it up for our veterans. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. We honor you. We thank you. We bless you. We're grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen. So good. And everyone watching online, we bless you as well. So grateful for that. This isn't a political thing. It's a principle thing. You stepped into harm's way for us. And we're grateful. We're grateful for you. Amen. My dad is Air Force. Jamadi's uh, former Air Force. My Jamadi's father is former Navy, so it's kind of just in our family. We're not getting out of it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I love it. My older brother served. Um, I never did. I don't know if you can tell, but <laughs> I serve in a different way. The, the kingdom gifts are all different. So something interesting about that I found, I was doing some research. Uh, did you know that it's actually... Veterans Day is actually uh, commemorated on the same day as something called Armistice Day. And Armistice Day, if you didn't know, uh, is the, the commemoration of major hostilities ending at the end of World War I. So when all the real bad stuff happened at World War I, it actually ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, 100 years ago today. I'm going to read it again. We, it ended, these hostilities ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, 100 years ago today, which is the 11-11-18, November 11th, 18. I think that's significant. <laughs> Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees, and we take it very derogatorily because he wasn't complimenting them, but there's a principle in what he said, and I'm about to say it. He said, you know how to read the signs of the times, but you've missed the way to your things. So we say, oh, you know, reading the signs of the times is bad. We need the way to, no, he wasn't saying that's bad. He's saying you shouldn't neglect the, those things, and you should also see the weightier things. So sometimes we hear that, and we're like, okay, we shouldn't worry about reading the signs of the times. No, read the signs. <laughs> Here's your sign. Today is 11-11-18, 100-year anniversary of the 11th, 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 11th hostility ending moment of World War One, And 11 in... Uh, a lot of circles is often represented with new beginnings or revelation. So let me give you a revelation. The war is over. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The battle has just begun, but the war has ended. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against something. Principalities, ideas that have set themselves up as monarchs. Powers in the heavenly realms, spiritual beings. That means that person is not your problem. So the war is over. The battle's just begun. And this is how we fight. Are you ready? We just enforce the victory that Christ gave us. That's it. That's it. How do we do that? We believe it's finished. We believe that every difficulty has been dealt with. And we get to come into every difficult situation, moment, things that were, things that are, and say, this has been finished. That lie you're believing was dealt with. Jesus took that on himself. There's nothing lacking in the finished work of Christ. And so that's how we fight. We're change agents. 
We're change agents. We're culture reformers. We're an apostolic family. And the word apostle comes from this fleet of ships that would come. And after Rome had won a battlefield, after they had totally won the victory, say totally won. This is historical. This isn't even biblical. This is historical fact. So you might believe it. It's total victory happens. And then they send a convoy of people, the lead ship called the apostle ship. And that fleet of ships was not to fight any battles. It was to change the culture of the city that's been defeated so that when the emperor came and visited, it felt like home. So we are the apostolic people brokering the culture of heaven into the culture of earth so that when Jesus returns, because he is returning in bodily form. Don't let anybody lie to you. He is returning. There's a lot of confusion about that. I can't get into it. But he's returning. He's returning. And it's going to be a great day. (laughs) When he returns, this place is supposed to look like his place. That's your job right now. Make this place look like his place. So when he gets there, he can put his feet up. Say, I like it here. I saw the new heaven and new earth coming out of heaven and to the earth. I saw the new heaven, new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, sorry, and coming to earth as a bride adorned for her husband. We are that bride. You're not going to the new Jerusalem. You are the new Jerusalem. I can't even mess with you right now. This is bad. This is not what I'm talking about today. Oh, mercy. How, how far? <laughs> oh, I have so much to say about that. Okay, Lord, what, is, what can I say right now? All right, I have one picture in my head. I'm going to share one picture with you that will challenge you because I'm about to do something else very challenging. <laughs> so it's just a warm-up. Are you ready? Here's the warm-up. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's a rider called death who rides on a green horse. Green in the Bible is a picture of life. Death riding on life. How do you become the born-again believer? You die. Death rides on life. Okay, amen. I can't. That was a warm-up for the challenge thing. Maybe it was just like one of those things where when you say to your parents, hey, I crashed the car, and then like, just kidding, I just, I, I was out too late last night. Like you're doing the bad thing so that the easy thing is easy to, you know, maybe that's what that was. I don't know. So maybe the rest of the day will be easy for you to take. I don't know. <laughs> Not that you would ever do that. You know, all those other people over there, those other not perfect people over there. Anyway, man, Jesus, use what I just did. Thank you, Lord. All right. The language of God is picture. So if we, if we are honest with ourselves, this is, I'm going to tie a bow on it as best I can, the can of worms I just opened. We're not going to go and worship a lamb with seven eyes and seven horns, are we? Have you read Revelation? Worshiping the lamb with seven eyes and seven horns. Is that literal? No. So why, is the, why are the four horses literal? Let's just be honest about it. So, anyway, man, Caleb, that is like preacher rule number one. Do not mess with people's eschatology at the beginning of your sermon. I don't care. Just hit a flow. That's what it is. We're in a series called Soul Prosperity, and last week was amazing. We talked about your mind last week. We talked about how uh, historically the church, maybe not your church, hallelujah, if not, but the church has taught, capital C church, say capital C, 
I'm not accusing your church from days of old. I'm saying the capital C church has taught your mind is evil, your will is weak, and your emotions are pretty much useless. You need to shut those things down and listen to the Spirit of God. Emotions are no substitute for the Holy Spirit. Well, I hate to break it to you, but the Spirit's pretty emotional. Okay. So, last week we talked about your mind. And our anchor verse really is uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. And this is in the Passion Translation where John the Beloved said, Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. We talked about how when you want to know what someone believes, listen to them pray. And John is praying a principle here that your health and your wealth are related to your soul. As your soul goes, so does your pocketbook. As your soul goes, so does your health, your body. So lots in there. I basically fire hosed everyone last week, so you need to go listen to the podcast. Uh, all the notes are in our app. We have an app, by the way, if you didn't know. You can get the Resting Place app. You can listen to the podcast. You can also download my notes, undoctored notes, what I preach from. So you'll find a lot of things aren't there, like that horseman thing I just said. <laughs> but you'll find a lot of good stuff in there. So I encourage you to go back and listen. But if I were to recap it, I would just say three things. God has given you access by his spirit to the mind of God. God has given you access to his own mind. You can know the thoughts of God. We need to be careful when we quote scriptures like his, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Because if we don't understand the season that that's spoken in and we don't understand the context, we'll take ourselves and we'll handicap our own mind. If you've been given the mind of God, his thoughts can be your thoughts. It's called repentance. And we learned last week that's more than changing your mind. That means to take another mind. To exchange your mind. I'll take your mind on the matter, God. Yeah, big deal. Big woe right there. So you have a beautiful mind because you have the mind of Christ. So his thoughts can be your thoughts. Hallelujah. You're, it's okay to be honest with yourself. Say, hey, man, that thought was not God thought. That was not a God thought. That's okay. I'm not saying ignore your non-God thoughts. I'm saying don't handicap your mind and say, I can't think like God. Because God literally said, I've given you my own brain, people. If you want support for that, Listen to the podcast. Okay, so today I want to talk about the will. Your mind, your will, and your emotions make up your soul, and your soul is not evil. The purpose of this prosperity, soul prosperity uh, series is to fight for the soul of the church again. Jesus is the lover of your soul. He died for your soul. Your soul is to die for. What does he love about it? That's my question. So today I want to ask another question. And I want to answer one question today, okay? I'm going to try not to fire hose you, but I'm going to answer one question, I promise, with a lot of answers, <laughs> okay? I'm going to answer it very well. Are you ready? You okay? Okay. My question is, what kind of willpower did Jesus have? What kind of will did Jesus have? What was his ability to will things? Because your will, you, know, you say God's will, yeah, I know, but think about it. What is your will? Your will is... You know, where there's a will, there's a way. The willingness to do it. What kind of, what capacity for willingness did Jesus have towards the Father? And I'm asking that question because we're co-heirs with Christ. And Romans 8, 17 in the Passion Translation actually says, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we have it for you. It says, we inherit all that he is and all that he has in Romans 8, 17. I think I put it for you. No? Okay, sorry. Romans 8, 17 in the Passion Translation, you have to go find it. It says, we inherit all that he is and all that he has. 
So all that he is, the beautiful Savior he is, and all that he has, his willpower. You need to start to believe right now that you inherited at the cross his ability to obey. We're also called to walk in the way that he walked in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. ESV says, whoever says he abides on him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2, verse 6. So we need to look at how he walked according to the will of God. In order to walk in the way that he walked, we have to look at how he walked. Are you following? Yes? Okay. And lastly, when we see him clearly, we're actually transfigured into the same image. When you see Jesus as he is, not as you think him to be, but as he is, layers come off and the real you comes out. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed or transfigured. That's the word. Same as the word in Matthew 17. He, he was transfigured before them into the same image. Say same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that as we look at him, we look like him. And that's actually a principle that's spiritual. It's not even a Christian principle. Whatever you look like, you look at. You, whatever you look at, you will look like. Like people and their dogs, you know. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. So my question is, what kind of will did Jesus have? Can we view the will of Jesus clearly? Is it possible? Is it possible? I would say it is. Now, to do this well, I have to, we have to take, well, let me say it this way. In order to do it the way I think we should, we're going to look at the most uh, iconic, the most well-known moment of willpower or lack thereof that Jesus had. Some of you already know where I'm going. In the garden, when Jesus said, not my will but yours, if possible, pass this cup from me, was he actually looking for a way out? And don't answer this. No one answer. Do me a favor. Don't answer. Help yourself. Don't answer this question out loud. Answer it in your head. Was Jesus really looking for a way out of the crucifixion? That's my real question. Because if we can see how his will worked in the most anxious, stressed out moment of his life, then we can become whatever that is. Whatever he has, we have through Christ. Are you following me? Yes? This is uh, Luke twenty two forty one through 42. We definitely have this one on the screen, I believe. Yes, okay. It says, this is the story, it's when he's going to the garden after the Lord's Supper, it says, he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So I want you to think, like, if I had a stone in my hand, how far I could throw it, you know, maybe to the parking lot. I don't have that great of an arm, you know, something like that. Maybe into the street, from here to the street. He went a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That has been taught that this was Jesus identifying our weakness of will. Has anyone heard that? Yes? I'd like to propose to you another view. I'd like to submit something to you today that isn't going to tip over your sacred cow. It's going to chop it up, grill it up, and eat it for breakfast, okay? I'd like to propose something to you totally opposite. I ask you to consider with me for the next few minutes something. Is that okay? Consider. It's not scary, right, to consider. Truth sent through fire only comes out more true. So don't be insecure about your truth. If it's true, question it. What's, what's gonna, what harm is there? I ask you to consider 
that this prayer was not to get Jesus out of the cross. I ask that you take a few moments with me and consider if this prayer was not Jesus having a temporary moment of human weakness, that it was not that. Consider with me that this was not a moment of temporary weakness. Are you okay? Okay, here we go. So Jesus actually spoke of his death over and over and over, okay? So let's, let's just back up a little bit. Before we get here, let's look at the, the way we got here, okay? Very, very, very important. So these are on the screen for you. We're going to go to Matthew 16, 21. We're going to go to Matthew 17, and then we're going to go to Matthew 20. I'm going to have it all in the Passion Translation because I love the way it says it. It's just my thing, you know? So here we go. Matthew 16, 21. You can watch on the screens. From then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples. Say, clearly reveal. Say, clearly reveal. Say, clearly reveal. Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders. Now, right there in the, in the Hebrew Matthew, and the, there's a, did you know there's a Matthew written all in Hebrew? They actually believe it's the first version of Matthew because Matthew was... Jew. <laughs> Makes sense to me. In the Hebrew Matthew, it actually adds many scourgings and many mockings, as in multiple injustices from the elders. Suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later be raised to life again. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's the first mention. I'm just going to use Matthew, but actually Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record these three instances of him explaining what was going to happen, okay? I'm just going to take you through Matthew. Matthew 17, 22 through 23 says, When they were all gathered together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed and turned over to his enemies. They will kill him, and in three days he will be resurrected. When the disciples heard these words, they were devastated. They're getting the picture. Matthew 20, 17 through 19 do you see the progression? 16, 17, 20. This is later. He said, Jesus, it says Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem. So he took his 12 disciples aside privately and said to them, listen to me. Third time's a charm, guys. Listen to me. Listen, Linda, Linda, listen, listen. Listen to me. We're on our way to Jerusalem, and I need to remind you of something. I need to remind you. I need to remind you that the Son of Man will be handed over to the religious leaders and scholars, and they will sentence him to be executed. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, tortured, and crucified. Yet, three days later, he will be raised to life again. This is the third time, and this time he actually says, I'm going to be crucified. Crucified means one thing, y'all. It's on a tree. It's with three nails. It's it's very specific. So Jesus knew he was going to die. He also knew how he was going to die. All right, I, you might not be there yet, so I have more evidence. So here we are, all right? Hebrews chapter 10, 5 through 7 says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not taken any pleasure. Then I said, this is Jesus saying to the Father. God's talking to God. We should listen. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. He's talking about the prophetic writings from long ago, 
Isaiah, all these things. He's saying, I'm going to do it exactly the way the scrolls say I will. So how did the scrolls say it? I, read, I have all of them. I'm going to rapid fire for you, all right? Just, this is not for your taking notes, all right? I'm going to provide all of my notes, by the way. I have all this written in a document. I'll provide this to you. So don't try to keep up. Just hear the overwhelming amount of evidence I'm presenting to you. Jesus said, I will do it as it's written in the scroll. Here's all the times. Not even all of them, actually. I only found, I think, 18 or 19. (laughs) Yeah. Here it is. I'm going to give you the prophetic, the prophecy, and then the fulfillment. Okay, I'm going to read some of them to you. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Fulfillment, John 1, 10 through 11. This is Jesus on the earth. It says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Fulfillment. Prophecy, Psalms 41. 9 says, even my close friend whom I'm trusted, he who shared my bread has filled, lifted up his heel against me. Mark 14, 10, fulfillment. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to portray Jesus to them right after taking bread. Bible prophecy, Zechariah eleven twelve says, I told them, if you think it best, give me, give me my pay. But if not, keep it. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Matthew 26, 14 through 16, one of the 12, the one called Judas, went to the priest and said, what are you going to give me if I hand him over to you? They counted it for him 30 silver coins. Isaiah 53, 7, just, again, not for your notes, just listen to the overwhelming. We're talking about the word made flesh, talking about I know what's written in the book of me, and I know what's going to happen. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Matthew or Mark 15:5 says Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Psalms 21, 1 through 2, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why do you not hear the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer night and night. I do I am silent. I am and I'm not silent. Sorry, I you don't you do not answer by night, and I am not silent. Meaning he is crying out to God in this moment. Sorry for that, guys. Tripped over that real good. Matthew 27 and 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachani. Yes, that's accurate. I worked on it. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting the beginning of the psalm. By the way, Psalms 22 has 33 prophetic utterings that all were fulfilled on the cross. 33. In one psalm. Going on, Psalms 22 says, all who see me mock me and hurl insults. Matthew 27, 41 says, in the same way the chief priests, the leaders of the law, mocked him. He saved others. They said, why can't he save himself? Psalms 22 was fulfilled in Matthew 27. Psalms 22, I'm sorry, 22, 15, Matthew 27, 48. Psalms 22, 17 through 18, fulfilled in John 19, 23. He was prophesied to be beaten in Isaiah 52, 14, fulfilled in Matthew 7, 27, 26. Spit upon Isaiah 50, verse 6. Fulfilled, Matthew 27, 30. Crucified with thieves, Isaiah 53, 12. Fulfilled, Matthew 7, 27, 38. His hands and feet pierced, Matthew 22, 16. Fulfilled in all four of the Gospels, right? Come on. Praying for his persecutors was spoken of in Isaiah 23, 12. Fulfilled in Luke 23, 34. His side being pierced, Zechariah 12, 12, 10. Given gall and vinegar to drink, Psalm 69, 21. None of his bones broken, Psalms 34, 20. And that's not even all of them. I'm just going to stop. I come to do your will, 
according to everything that's written in the scroll of the book. It's important. Stay with me. If we teach that in the garden, Jesus was backing down and saying, I don't want the cross anymore, Lord. I don't want to go to the cross. If we teach that, we are painting a picture of a weak-willed Jesus. It says at the last moment, he wanted to back out. And I'd just like to propose to you that that's man painting Jesus in their image. Not allowing themselves to be conformed through tough discussion, like we're having right now, to his image. And actually, I found something. This is the death blow. I could stop right here, but I'm going to keep going. Don't worry. I, I found the death blow. Okay, I've only been speaking 19 minutes. Are you okay? Okay. We'll end on time. Don't worry. The death blow to this whole thing is Jesus literally said at another time before the cross, I will not ask to be delivered from the cross. I found it. I was at my co-workspace. I did it silently, but I threw my hands in the air and made three people jump. I was so excited. I was like, and they were like, I didn't even make a noise. And they're around me like, what happened? They felt the power of my, my find. I don't know. This is John 12, uh, verse, chapter 12, verse 20 through 33. And I believe we have the whole thing in the Passion Translation. Here it is. Now there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshipers at the feast. This is right after Jesus came in triumphantly into Jerusalem. He was ridden, he rode in, you know, with the, the palm branches and everything. They went to Philip, uh, who came from the village of Bethsaida in Galilee. They asked him, would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. Great friends you have there, right? <laughs> would you take us to see Jesus? Good idea. So Philip went to find Andrew, and then they both went to inform Jesus. He replied to them, okay, you're bringing these people to see me? Here's what I'm going to say. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain dard. You are the great harvest of wheat. The great harvest of wheat is sitting in this room right now. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. Death rides on life. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciples, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Are you ready for it? Here's the death blow. Even though I'm torn within and my spirit is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. Jesus said, I will not do it. I will not do that thing you preach when you talk about the garden. I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial, for I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself to God. Behold, I've come to do your will as, as it's written to me in the scroll of the book. The ESV, just for some balance here, it's not up there. It says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come. Will I say save me from this hour? No, this is my purpose. Going on, it says, so, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly a booming voice was heard from the sky. 
After he said, I will not ask to be delivered. Father, glorify your name. A booming voice. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it through you again. Talk about confirmation. You're looking for confirmation of a word? Hello, when the sky rips open and a voice pops out. Confirmation. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. Some thought it was only thunder, yet others said an angel just spoke to him. God can speak and you might not hear it. You might pass it off as something natural. Don't do that today. Others said, an angel just spoke to him. Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours, to help you believe. He's saying, I will not be delivered, and I don't even need any help with that. That voice didn't confirm anything in me. It confirmed everything for you. From this moment on, this is Jesus continuing, everything in this world is about to change, for the rulers of this dark world will be overthrown, and I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground, and when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me. He said this to indicate that he would die by being lifted up on a cross. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. Have I proven it? I have proven it, whether you liked it or not. So what was the cry in the garden all about? I hear your thoughts. I hear them. You know. What was the cry in the garden all about? Here's the cry. One more time. Let's look at Luke 22, 39 through 44. Read it again. This is in the ESV. And he came out and went as is his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. All right? In the Matthew account here, it actually says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death in the Matthew account. He says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. My soul is so taxed, I feel like I'm going to die. Do you hear that? He says, pray you will not be, you will not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus, asked, Jesus promised to not ask the Father to deliver him from the trial of the cross, and it had not taken place yet in the garden. Are you following? So what was his cry all about? Is there anywhere else in Scripture that balances this idea that I'm proposing to you? Oh, there is. Aren't you glad? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. I don't think we have it. Oh, we do. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. The Passion Translation says uh, because, uh, he prayed with passion, with tearful agony, that God would spare him from death. And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered, and he was delivered. The Amplified Bible says, Days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions. He, not only what he wanted, but what he needed. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who always was able to save him out of death. And he was heard because of his, of his reverence. All right? So three different translations all say he was heard. All right? What does it mean? If he cried out to be saved from the cross, the death of the cross, he was not heard. 
If he was actually crying out, God, take me, take this cross from me. Take cup out and put cross in there because that's how it's preached. Right? Am I right? Take, take the cross from me if possible. If possible, if there's any other way. And I've heard lots of cute sermons about that, so I get it. There's probably benefit in that idea, but I wouldn't say it's the whole truth because this is the truth. He offered up Christ to be saved from death, and he was saved. Was he saved from death on the cross? Could he have been praying to be saved from death on the cross? This is what happened. Are you ready? I'm going to break the tension, hopefully. Jesus was crying out to be saved from premature death in the garden. In the garden, he was in private, surrounded by trees. But this man knew he had to get in public upon a tree to do it right. He knew he couldn't die in private, surrounded by trees. He was looking around going, I feel like I'm going to die. Father, save me from this cup. If possible, pass this cup from me. He, he, he underwent a condition called hematidrosis. My mom's a nurse. She's really happy with me right now. I Googled it. It's a condition which capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood, occurring under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. He was not asking for a way out of the cross. No, he was not. Because that's not my Jesus. My Jesus is not Afraid of difficulty. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not, he's not looking at how hard the task is and going, they're not worth it. John 12, 27, I'll say it again. He said, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. I have come to fulfill my purpose. Jesus was not having a moment of human weakness. He was showing us the power of the human will. This thing has been backwards for us for so long. He was not having a moment of human weakness. He was showing you your capacity to obey the will of God. He was saying, I'm not going to die in this garden. I'm dying on a tree after being spit on, beat up, ripped to shreds, mocked publicly, stripped naked, and pierced. At the ninth hour. Do you know at the ninth hour what was happening in the temple? They were actually sacrificing the perfect lamb. That's exactly the time when they sacrifice the lamb. The night before is not the sacrificial lamb moment, guys. He knew exactly the implications of him doing it right. He swore he would come do the will of the Father. And he wasn't backing down from the fight. Jesus was not wimping out in the garden of the olive press. The oil press. That's what Gethsemane means. It means the oil press. The garden of the oil press where he sweat blood. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 in the Passion Translation. This is the cloud of witnesses uh, passage. I read it out of the new these new translations because it, it becomes new for you. So you don't just tune me out when I start reading. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses encircling us like clouds. The word encircle is clothed, clothing us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. 
when we, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Are you ready? His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits at the exalted right hand of the throne of God. Because of the joy of knowing you, he refused to die in private. So consider carefully. Here's the charge. Consider carefully. Oh, somebody's going to hear this, man. It's going to change your life. <laughs> consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn out and cave in under life's pressures. After all, here it is, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. You've not yet gone to the point of sweating blood to the point to obey God, to resist temptation. Carefully consider Jesus' situation, the way he handled himself all the way to the cross, so that you will see the strength he put inside of you. Amen. So that you will get a revelation of the human will, the strength of the human will. Jesus did not do that as God. Jesus did it as a man to prove to you, you can obey the voice of the Lord. You don't have to wimp out when it gets tough. You've not even come to the point of sweating your own blood yet. The writer of Hebrews had this revelation, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Let me give you a picture. It's the Garden of the Oil Press, right? Did you know? Because uh, I was just in Israel, you know. Did you know that when they make oil out of Gethsemane and other places, obviously, olive oil, there's three crushings, there's three pressings for every olive, every one of them. There's three. They put them in a bag, crush it one time, put it in another bag, put it in another uh, machine, they crush it again, put it in another, and they crush it again. Do you know how many times Jesus prayed that prayer? And the Gospel of Matthew, it says he left, his disciples prayed, deliver me from this hour, if not, you know, my will, your will. And then he came to find them sleeping. And then he went back and said, deliver me from this hour, and then came found them sleeping. And went back again, deliver me from this hour. Three crushings, three times. His blood pressed out was a prophetic picture of the oil of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh because of his sacrifice on the cross. His blood pressed out was the olive press, squeezing it out. One, two, three, so that you and I would receive it. Here's the revelation. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Because of the Holy Spirit, you too can resist temptation. Just like Jesus, you too can obey the Father. I don't care how difficult it gets. You've not come to the point of sweating your blood like Jesus did. Consider him. When we see him, we'd be like him. Anyone who come after him must walk in the way he walked. We're co-heirs. We inherit all that he is and all that he has. Jesus had an ironclad will. Nothing was going to break the will of Jesus. 
He did not back down from the assignment then, and he will not back down now. And we have the same potential if only we believe that his will is our capacity. Somebody needs to hear this. God's will for you is actually a, a, a good indicator. It's like the litmus test. It's the determination of your capacity. When God says something to you, that's your capacity to accomplish something. He's not just saying, hey, try and do this. Do your best. He's saying, here's your lid, man. Here's how far you could go. When he speaks, he creates. When he instructs, he builds. He puts instruction. He puts structure within to accomplish the task that he gives you. When he said to the woman, go and sin no more, it wasn't a, a dangling carrot that she couldn't accomplish. She went up, and I believe she had the capacity to sin no more because God spoke to her. God's will is your capacity. Man, whew. Scott, you said righteous repetition. I'm going to get some right now. God's will is your capacity. Say, God's will is my capacity in Christ. When he says it, come on. When he says it, say that. I can do it. God's will is my capacity. Yes. Because you're co-heirs. Because you're called to walk in the way that he walked. Because when you see him clearly, you're transfigured into the same image. His will is your will. When he said, not my will, but yours, he's saying, God, I know your will. I don't have a separate will from you. Oh, man. He was not saying, I have a separate will. Don't listen to it. I want your will. He's saying, I don't have a separate will. He's saying, I know exactly what I have to do, and it feels like I'm going to die right now. I'm not supposed to die here. I believe the devil came and tempted him in that moment with premature death, the easy way out. I believe the devil came and whispered, say, you've already shed your blood. You can die now. You came to, to shed your blood. It's finished. And Jesus resisted the temptation of the premature death because it would have been the easy way out. The devil was coming to kill him early and was trying to convince him to back down from his will. And Jesus had the willpower to say, oh, no, 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 sir. I know exactly how I need to die. I will do everything written of me in the scroll of the book. For the joy set before me, I will not leave a single one of them without me. I'm coming for them. I'm going to the cross so that through it, in my flesh, they can walk into heaven and be seated with me. You have the will of God living inside of you. It's called Christ in you. The hope of glory. It, became, it started as a suggestion. Now it's a statement. Jesus was not backing down from the cross. No, he was not. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us there are times when he asked to be saved from death and he was delivered. I don't read another time in here that he asked to be saved from death and was delivered. Do you read another time? Can someone find me another time? You find it and bring it back. I'll back down from this. There's not another time. Could have been a time that's not written. Sure. But why do you think these were written? God's will is your capacity. 
Thank you, Jesus. Woo. I don't want another will. Yes, you have a free will, but some people wear that as a badge to do whatever they want. To, to disobey the will of God. You have a free will, but your will wasn't free. You have the capacity to, dis- to disobey, but you were bought with a price. You have a free will, but your will was not free. Quit hiding behind those statements. <laughs> Quit hiding behind those ideas. Be transformed by changing the way you think, taking another mind. Selah. Okay, come on. Restoration team, come on up. <laughs> oh, man. Right, we end every service one way. We have our prayer team up here. <laughs> and I love the honesty of this team. They don't have any words of knowledge today. Isn't that great? Like, we don't have to force it. They haven't given me any to read, and Sandy doesn't have any, so we're just going to land the plane. If they have any, they're not telling me of them. So we're not so cookie cutter, but we do have agendas. We want you to encounter the Lord Jesus in a tangible way. This team is here to have faith for everyone. If you have pain in your body, if you have emotional trauma, if you have uh, unbelief issues, whatever it is, your body hurts, your spirit hurts, your soul hurts, whatever. This is a safe place for you to come and receive true ministry from the heart of God. Every single one of these people are safe. We had our leadership retreat yesterday, our senior leadership retreat, and it was intense, man. Intense and heavy and hard, right? Was it hard? (laughs) It is so necessary. And we believe that today is a birthing of a new day for the resting place. I'll just let this out of the bag right here. I actually didn't even want to launch this church till today. I told James Dodswhite, one of our overseeing pastors, I told him, we're going to launch on 11-11-18. We had a bunch of dreams, things like that. I was like, we're launching on 11-11-18. And that was my plan. It didn't go as planned. But I do feel like a new launching has begun today. You're going to get the benefit of the wrestling we did with the angels of God yesterday. You're going to get the benefit of that if you'll take it. So that's what this team is for. Uh, would you stand? We're, I'm just going to pray for you. And if you have any pain, you're, uh, if you have anything, just come down. If you want, you want uh, agreement for finances, like Scott was saying, if you want whatever. Like if your heart needs something, we're here to have faith for you. Amen? Amen. So before we close and before I pray, I just want to say it because I say it every week. That we believe in the union of the cross. This house believes that anyone in Christ is a completely new being. That the old has passed away, the new has come. You might be dealing with symptoms and memories, but that's all they are. Symptoms and memories. The truth is, you're completely new. And God has done it so that you don't get any glory. (laughs) You don't get to crucify you. He crucified you. When you said yes to him, you were co-crucified with him. Co-buried with him. Co-resurrected with him. So if there's a believer in this room who has trouble with that, come down. We'll pray for you. 
to enter into that revelation. And what we mean by that is an encounter with Jesus. That's all these people are going to do, lead you into an encounter with Jesus. It's not very safe, but it's not risky. <laughs> I, like uh, Scott reminded me yesterday, like Aslan, you know, when they ask, is he safe? No. <laughs> but he's good. So don't come out down here if you want to be set free. Or if you don't want to be set free. Don't come down here if you don't want to be healed. Don't come down here if you don't want to have a totally new life after today. And certainly don't come down here if you've never given your life to Jesus and said, I'll take your life instead of mine. If you're listening to me right now, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic with a don't thing. I'm just, that's a joke. If you're listening to me right now and you've never said, Jesus, I'll take your life instead of mine. If you feel like your life just totally sucks and you want a new one, you have that opportunity today. To enter into the righteousness of God, the peace of God. The joy of God. You can have God's happiness. How about that? And he's really, really happy, I promise you. So that's your opportunity. Amen? Let's pray. And let's just thank the Lord. Thank you, God, that you are the example. Jesus, you are our earthly example. You are the one we should expect to be on the earth. Lord God, thank you for helping us see you clearly. Thank you for exposing us to your true willpower today. Come on, is anyone grateful for that? Thank you, Jesus, that you showed me your ability to obey God. Thank you, God, that just by that act of showing it to me, I'm able to become it. Just by that act of seeing it, I can become it. Thank you, God, that that's already inside of me. I don't have to do anything. I just have to gaze upon you, and I'm transformed. We look at you, Lord. We look to you and say, how did you do it? That's how I'll do it. So, God, right now, every heart, even those watching online who is hurting, I say, come home. I say, everyone who has not experienced the righteousness of God, even those, Lord, who have grown up in church their whole life but never made a personal decision to give their life away, not to invite Jesus in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving your life away. I'm talking about your life ending, his life in you beginning. I'm praying for all those who have never made that declaration to have boldness and faith and courage to come and say, today is my day. Today is my day. I don't care what you call it. Call it rededication. Today is my day to believe from now on I'm died. I've died. He's alive in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity. <laughs> we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Continue to show us yourself in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Was that okay? Amen. Okay. Bless you guys. Hang out. Receive prayer or we'll see you at Fresh Start or have a great day. Bless you. Love you.